What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPot11 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I just did out of order. It's the first time in like 250 episodes. Um, I am dyslexic, so this is not confusing to anybody. End of the season episode. Uh, had, to, had to sit on this game for about two days here. Kind of collect my thoughts on what being the Patriots meant. Did it mean anything? What's it mean for draft stock? Wanted to wait until we got the Jets draft pick situation sorted out. Um and their, you know, 2024 schedule. Brad Spielberger, last weekly spot of the year. Obviously, Brad will be on throughout the offseason to talk contracts, draft, et cetera. Brad, how are we doing? Obviously, uh, this morning, Luke Getzey fired for the Bears. We were just talking a little bit about it. Um, the Jets have yet to fire anybody on the staff. It looks like everyone's returning. So a um, little different scenarios in Chicago and New York, even though they probably should be the same. A future New York Jets passing game coordinator, Luke Getzey, fired by the Chicago Bears. I make that joke. He was with uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for a long period of time. Um, when, when the Bears hired him, Rodgers could not have been more, um, you know, effusive with his praise of what Getzey did for him and, and how much he enjoyed playing with him. I also, just real quick, kind of a random tangent, but he is not from the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur tree, which everyone's going to say is the case. He's from like an RPO-based Joe Moorhead they ran like an inside zone gap scheme in Chicago. So I say it just to say like it actually could be a fresh voice and a different perspective. Um, and, and so maybe it does make sense in, in New York. Uh, but, hey, I'm feeling great because thank you to the New York Jets because now the Bears are picking ninth and the Jets are picking 10th. It's a, be- it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I want to get into the Jets-Patriots game real quick. Um, one thing happened overnight last night that I want to tackle a little bit. I've talked a lot about Keith Carter being the really easy scapegoat for this offensive staff. You were never going to fire Hackett. Um, likely not going to fire most of the guys, the Embrys of the world uh, and, and things of that nature. The two names that or three names really that I felt like were easy around the margin scapegoats were Rob Calabrese, who got kind of demoted. He's been in the court. He's been the quarterback coach here for three years. Um, I'm not asking for people to get fired. I, I'm not, I'm not in that business. I just, that's not what I'm about, but the quarterback play has been horrendous and Zach Wilson <laughs> was what he was. And Calabrese is the quarterback coach. Todd Downing um, had some decent moments, probably his best game of the year last year in Green Bay with Tennessee, then gets fired for a DUI immediately after the game, uh, is brought in. It didn't work. Um, helped hack it in the booth. The offense went from 32nd to 26th over the last month. But again, what are we doing here? And lastly, at least Keith Carter in Tennessee. Taylor Juan was pretty outspoken uh, this offseason about everyone on that staff being he loved, but Keith Carter worked them into the dirt. And a lot of these veterans felt like they went into game weeks, not fresh uh, camp. They felt like they got worn down. A lot of injuries in Tennessee on the offensive line. We saw that again this year with the Jets, 13 or 14 combinations in 17 weeks. I say all that because while I said the Jets should hire Ken Dorsey and Mike Munchak, it would make them a lot better on the offensive side of the ball. Their moves around the margins, casual fans not going to give a shit, but it'll be a great thing if you draft a fourth-round quarterback and a first-round tackle, Right. Reese Hall, uh, Taylor Wan post yesterday, uh, Mike Vrabel was fired, mutually parted ways. That's bullshit. He was fired um, because the GM never wanted him there and Vrabel never wanted the GM there. Um, anyways, Taylor Wan post, you know, shout out to everyone that was on that staff, my time in Tennessee, um, except Keith Carter. Now, that wouldn't matter had Mekhi Becton not commented on it. That second paragraph is all facts. And then Brees Hall commented after hanging out with all offensive linemen at the Islanders game last night, crying emojis, not only have they not taken it down, Becton then retweeted it and posted another thing about it. Um, what do you make of all this? And is there a chance that the pressure from the players and honestly the fan base 
could act could have Woody act maybe emotionally and say, "You have to fire this guy." I'll first speak to like what specifically is the complaint, obviously from a Lawan. Look, players, if they say that, especially a guy like Taylor, who I think probably liked being coached hard. He's a Michigan guy, comes to the NFL. He obviously presents as like a you know, but like cocky, abrasive, but like yeah, like that's his style. Like we're gonna we're gonna practice hard. We're gonna get the pads on, all that stuff. If he's even going so far as to say that, obviously injuries basically prematurely ended his career. It's always a tough one. It's interesting because, look, the teams that have most recently been fined or lost practice days because of doing too much in the offseason are the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Like, there are coaches that do this that, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating for it, nor am I saying it's why they're successful, but the two one seeds that are, you know, smash mouth every year that are physical, that are ready to tackle in week one, as opposed to in week four, like a handful of other teams are, are these coaching staffs. And obviously, you know, solid tied back to San Fran. So it does kind of go both ways, but you know, in today's NFL, especially with guys that are, you know, what 25 and under like a Brees Hall and a Mackay Becton, that's probably not the, the, the style they're looking for. And obviously, like you said, the jets O-line was decimated with injury. There is no question about that. I mean, you can't say it's nothing. When players are are openly, you know, doing stuff like that, they're not deleting it, like you said. And instead, they're actually doubling down on it um, and, and kind of proudly putting it out there. Yeah, it, you know, you, you have to give feedback. Look, we just talked about Luke Getsy to open the show. You go into the locker room after the last game, and DJ Moore basically says the offensive game plan sucked. Like, <laughs> he didn't say that, but he did. Gary Wilson, like, Gary Wilson said the same. That was one of the other funny quotes this week was, uh, we don't make any adjustments. The offense will be fixed because Aaron Rodgers will call the plays. I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah, the adjustments comment was the same with DJ Moore, and then he was like, are we need to figure out what our identity is. Are we trying to uh, be like a run-the-ball, control-the-clock team, or are we trying to be an explosive team, but we got to pick a lane? It was like, it's week 18, so like clearly you're, you're advocating for 2024. But anyway, so yeah, it does matter. You, you can't sit here and say it doesn't, um, and coaches will take that into consideration. Same time, like, is Makai going to be back? Would the Jets probably say, yeah, you know what? We'll take it under advisement, but we think you would have probably gotten hurt less if you weren't 50 pounds overweight. So, um, yeah, and again, I'm not saying that's what I'm saying, but maybe they feel that way. So you, you got to take everyone's thoughts into consideration. It does mean something, but, I, you're, you know, they're not guaranteed to get him fired. Brees saying it probably matters more just because Brees is like the face of the franchise right now. Yeah, and mentioned Adam Pankey was on the Jets practice squad earlier this year, liking tweets about how Keith Carter sucks. Um, it's been like four or five players now, and then former players and current players. It's it's just an easy fix. Like, I, I Mike Munchak wants to coach again. He's probably a top three offensive line coach the second he walks in the building in the league. Um, you're not getting Skarnecki to come back out of retirement, and Munchak's willing to do it. Uh, so... You know, that'll be that'll be interesting there. Uh, Wink Martindale was uh, mutually parted ways um, <laughs> with the Giants as we as we're recording this. Um, that'll, that'll be interesting when he goes to Philly and dunks on Dable for for next year or goes to Seattle or there's a couple of different uh, mentions there. I want to hit on this Jets Patriots game. The streak's over. Um, I'm very excited about that from perspective of we don't have to talk about it anymore because not only did they win they won in new england they had not won in new england in over 5500 days in the regular season um i was 14 years old the last time the jets won in new england um i am turning 30 and i'm married and have a house um so that's been a long time since the jets have done that uh for perspective garrett wilson and Brees hall were six years old the last time the jets won in new england in the regular season that's over they kicked the shit out of the patriots on both sides of the line the line played well um Brees hall was amazing 
that's really the story there. Ashton Davis flashed. Uh, Tony Adams had a nice game. Michael Carter, Sauce, et cetera. Horrible weather. Again, any game with Trevor Simeon playing, it's hard to take seriously. The Jets were eliminated. Whatever. You can make all those arguments you want. There was some nice things. The Jets obviously had a chance based on the results. They could have picked sixth. They are now picking 10th. What do you make of Sunday? Um, did the Jets mess up by winning? Did Is it a good thing they won? Like, where do you land on this? I know we talked about it a little bit on Thursday show, I believe, but I uh, figured we kind of hit on it now in hindsight where some results did break the Jets' way, obviously, with the Giants winning uh, and, and things like that. Yeah, so also, sorry, I, I was just making a face uh, to people. Pete Carroll just got fired, bro. So Pete Carroll is out as the Seattle Seahawks oh, head coach. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's well, why that's why I'm over here making faces at the I thought, talking about, I thought you were talking about Wink while I was talking. Whoa. No. Dan Quinn <laughs> expected to replace Pete Carroll. Oh, wait, who said that? Rap would be quickly considered oh, wow. a strong candidate to replace him, which means this yeah. is the same thing with Rabel. Uh, it, it's pretty clear that <laughs> the replacements lined up and yeah. Wow. Uh, this is a interesting. Wow. That's a um, Dan Quinn here. Yeah. Wow. So Jets beating the Patriots. Uh, what yeah. do we mean? <laughs> yeah, no. So we talked about, it. I'm not going to change my stance. Like, yeah, you could have had an earlier pick. I, I get it. There are going to be some players we fall in love with, but um, you know, I made the joke with the Bears and all that, but no, the difference between whatever we said eight to fifteen, whatever the, whatever the range there was, it shouldn't matter. Um, if Joe is hell bent on moving up a little bit, you know, he can he can find a way to do that. But I think realistically, you are still looking at a really good wide receiver, a really good offensive tackle, uh, potentially in your slot, and, and I think that they're that's still at their disposal. So, yeah, no, I think it, why not beat the Patriots, get that monkey off your back, it, it carries forward. You know, the first game against the Pats next year, you can't have guys barking that you haven't beat them since, you know, like you said, since they were in high school or junior high. It just, I think, look, we're talking about some of the bad vibes and some of the coaching, you know, pushback and all that. Seven and 10, coming off a win to close the year. Brees Hall has 34 carries and, and goes nuclear. It was an ugly game, like you said, you know, snow coming down hard, all those things. But no, I'm all for it. Beating your division rival who has been sunning you for a decade is never a bad thing. Yeah, and look, now um, <clears throat> the Jets are in a spot where uh, Bill Belichick's last game ever for the Patriots likely will be having his least yardage in a game, in any game for the Patriots will be against the Jets and a Jets loss. And I know people don't care about that, and I get it. Um, but, man, um, it's crazy. There's, they said 7 to 10 uh, – <laughs> Seven to ten potential openings, I believe. Um, Peter Schrager mentioned on Good Morning Football that's six weeks ago. And we already are up to seven. Patriots will likely be eight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, I, I'm of the opinion Bill ends up in Atlanta uh, and gets full control there. Just based on that situation, I think Chargers is Harbaugh. Uh, Washington, I think the Hog McDonald from, from Baltimore. I'm trying to think who else is open. There's a bunch of other ones open, but... Um, 
I want to just hit on two or three things quickly. And then me and you will do a, a bigger deep dive once we get closer to free agency. And we actually can, it's, I don't want to go in deep dive too much into the free agency class and what the Jets could add, because honestly, no idea who's going to be available and who won't. Um, we've talked about Bryce a million times and, and it's still going to get talked about. It's become more of a tough conversation now because he not only was good analytically and, you know, statistic like put up 10 and a half sacks, the most sacks the Jets had rushers had uh, since 2005. Funny enough, after that season, the Jets trade John Abraham. Uh, they did draft Nick Mangold, but have been looking for an edge rusher ever since. Gut feeling, January 10th. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to say January 6th. So we don't have to have that discussion. Um, what what happens with Bryce, and how much does his price change based on the actual number of sacks? Because I talked to a few people around the league uh, over the last month, and they said, like, him getting to 10 sacks, some GMs will look at that and say, this matters more. I'm willing to pay him more money now. Is that, is that something you, you were kind of on the same page with as well? So not just that number, but it does matter. You know, I think it's funny. We, we look at things like that and be like nine and a half versus 10. If that's really so, like meaningful. So arbitrary, right. Brees had 900 right. yards, not a thousand. Doesn't mean his season wasn't good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, you know, it's funny though. At the same time, when we like maybe mock teams for that, really the funny thing is that in their mind, obviously, you know, we're talking to educated fans that listen to your show. They obviously want to be high level fans, average fans. Yeah. They say, Oh, we signed this guy as a 10 sack guy, he's a double digit sack guy. Like it gives you good optics. You can go put these buzzwords out there in a bunch. You can immediately get benefit of the doubt um, because of these, you know, these, these arbitrary thresholds. So, but also not only that. So you and I talked about it. My original projection is a little scoop. Uh, my original projection for him, which was through week 14, uh, was three years 40. I mentioned how it probably could go up. And obviously that I was coming even lower than I expected. Just even adding in the last month of data, that number is now three years 50. Um, and, and that still might even be low. So we're talking about going from 14 a year, or sorry, 13.3 a year up to 16.6 a year. Um, and, and I think maybe it gets even higher. I'm, of course, waiting for, you know, potential franchise tags for some edges ahead of him. If he becomes the big name on the market, the number will only get stronger. But, yeah, he finished out the season playing. He was around, like, low 20s, and then he played high 20s snaps. So he was getting some more early down snaps. He was still extraordinarily productive. One of the highest pass rush win rates we've ever charted. Yeah, he's going to get a bag. Um, you know, it just depends if it's a medium-sized bag or, or, or a duffel bag. But he, he's going to get paid a lot of money. And I don't really know why the Jets didn't push harder to, to be the team to give it to him. Yeah, I think three three for 50, three for 55 backloaded deal with a majority of it guaranteed. I mean, like 25, 30 guaranteed and, and like throw a huge bonus in there. They're a huge initial bo signing bonus that kind of gives him a cap hit of three million bucks like they did with Lazard and, and these other guys, I think, is the move. What what would it what would an, uh, a, a tag in trade look like? Um, we'll do that and one more thing before you. Pete Carroll's apparently potentially staying on it as an advisor, um, not official yet, uh, but looks like that could potentially happen. Um, and Dan Quinn looks like he is in line to to go replace him. Um, it would have been funny uh, just to uh, <laughs> would have been funny just to see what would have happened uh, if he hits the open market. Him and Sala know each other well. You know, where Pete's competed all starter for Pete. Does he uh, bring him home? Um, obviously, very unrealistic. But um, yeah, in, in terms of you know. In terms of a tag and trade, uh, that's the other option you hear a lot of folks mention. What does that look like? Obviously, last year we saw with Lamar the the tag where two first-round picks and you can negotiate, the, the Ravens can match. Um, how does that kind of work? Yeah, so, you know, at the outset, you put the tag on the player. I assume he'd be a defensive end, not a, not a linebacker. It doesn't really matter. It'd be around $20 million, and you have to have – 
that entire mountain cap space to be able to carry on your books, which, as we've talked about, they can do that if they want to. But I will say, in that instance, slapping a $20 million you know, number would make it harder to do business. They Again, they could still do business, but maybe, in theory, you were only going to restructure a couple deals. If you're going to add a $20 million placeholder, and again, if you get an extension done, obviously, you drop that number way, way down, but you have to carry it for the time being. Um, so that is the first consideration. The keys for, for that is, A, you, you know, this was something that's in the CBA that I think fans learned about from the Devontae Adams situation. You cannot trade for players for a franchise tag trade. It can only be for draft picks. Um, the Packers did try to get Darren Waller in the Devontae Adams trade, and the league was like, nope, read the CBA. You can't do that. So um, maybe the bylaws, wherever it is. But so it has to be for picks only. So any hypothetical, oh, we're going to tag Bryce Huff and then trade him to the, the Raiders to get Devontae Adams. Nope, can't do it. Um I, I mean, there would be a market still, right? I, I don't know if you're getting like a first round pick and oh, it's say like pick at that point. Yeah, right. And say because we're already gonna have to pay this guy. You get the as we talked about, you mentioned alluded to, you know, Jamal Adams trade, for example. When a player gets traded for top end capital, and again, not two first, but still second round pick, they have leverage and an extension talk after that because you already invested in them. The the leverage is all on their side. So yeah, a team would say, all right, well, we, we know we have to give them a big old deal. Um, so we're not going to pay you a ton in draft capital compensation. Basically, we're going to beat the compensatory pick that you would get had you let him walk in free agency. And that would be a third round compensatory pick. You know, based on my projection right now, like we just talked about, he'd be at a third round compensatory level. And I do expect that to be the case. So if you call him and say, hey, Jets, you're either going to pick 98 from the compensatory system or we'll send you 60, you know, to, to get Bryce Huff. And um, that's that's pretty much how that would go. All right, yeah, it makes uh, that makes a ton of sense. I, I the Jets letting him walk for nothing um, would just be twenty five year old sending pass rushers homegrown would be interesting. Last kind of question here: We obviously go into the offseason. We kind of mentioned some of the coaching changes, things around the league, kind of going on. Um, do you expect like how aggressive do you expect the Jets to be? Um, I know on the surface, people would say, oh, they'd be so aggressive. Sure. But like, do you actually expect them to be aggressive? I guess going to the offseason, it's a two-year window here. Rogers has hinted at three. He's also hinted at a lot of stuff. Um, if anyone caught that one, he's hinted at things. I guess never explicitly said it. Um, but, you know, what? how, how aggressive are they going to be draft, trade, free agency-wise, in your opinion? Like, I feel like this is Joe – Douglas, Joe Douglas is going to burn – a million 2026 and 2025 picks alive in order to make the team awesome this year. Cause otherwise they're all gone. Roger said it as much, by the way, great to him. I know everyone takes a lot of the quotes of vaccines and all these different things. And you believe he's right or wrong. It doesn't really matter. I, I quite frankly, don't give a shit on anyone's like Rogers. If he's right or wrong, like believe what you want to your own opinion. He did say there's a lot of pressure and we have to win or we're all gone. Like he said it about himself as well, which no one caught that. He literally said, if I don't play well, I'm gone, um, which was interesting, but a loss. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I guess the third year in his mind, like gone is probably the wrong, you know, but maybe they say, hey, you know what? Like, we're going to try to just get young, go a different direction, or we're going to draft somebody. And like, you're still a starter, but we're going to kind of transition and, and not do what I'm about to say, which is for next year. Yeah, they're going to go all in. They are going to leverage future draft capital. Um, you know, you look at what happened with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. You look at what the Rams did when they got Matthew Stafford on board. You look even this year, a little bit different, but um, like the Eagles, it wasn't quarterback, but uh, you know, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, like all these dudes, probably they're 
potentially their last season, honestly, even Lane Johnson, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think you are going to see, even as at the margins, and, you know, it's more of kind of like Chuck Clark type trades, for example, not to bring up obviously a deal that kind of fell through because of injury, but like just leaving no spot on the roster unsolidified, whether it's a starter or depth, and just not like dancing around, hey, we hope this guy develops, and if he doesn't, we'll figure it out. Like, no, like, we're just going to come into the year with an established plan. And, yeah, they'll also take some big swings, too. They're going to be in the Devontae Adams sweepstakes, I'm sure, um, among other receivers if they, if they have interest in other guys that potentially come available. But, yeah, no, we, we've been consistent on that one. There just isn't really a point in going half in. Once you, once you make the big splash, this is the window. Because here's the last piece, like, you're not, it actually lines up pretty nicely with, okay, you do the two-year Rodgers, even three, hypothetically. Then it's like, okay, when those deals are coming off the books, we're paying Sauce, we're paying Garrett, we're paying Jermaine, we're paying et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. And you, and you pivot back to the rookie quarterback structure. Yep. All right, that makes a ton of sense. Last big biggest news of the day, not actually, this is a, obviously joking, but Jamal Adams, after all the, uh, after all the crap that, I'll put it that way, that has gone on this year. And between the, him and the Jets the last couple of years, most le- recent like tweet, I'll say if the Seahawks cut Jamal Adams, he, the Jets should look at him and take him back this offseason. <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. I, I I will just say I would be – it would be untenable uh, unless he's had a total – I'm not sure if Jamal – you know, Jamal Adams and uh, and – Good old uh, Marcus Stroman being on my two favorite teams again would be ideal. Um, I'll leave it at that. But obviously, again, I'll have a fuller kind of deep dive preview. I have an article uh, coming out this weekend as well. Some news with Badlands to share on kind of some of the little tweaks we're going to do the podcast, kind of spice things up a little bit. Um, not, nothing. This pod's not going anywhere, just adding actually to it. Um, but yeah, obviously, Brad, appreciate your you know time all season. Um, again, we'll, Brad will be on anytime there's big stuff to talk about and then once the free agency class once i guess it's whatever it's march 1st or march 4th whatever it is that week in between before tampering period i'll you know tampering period that gets tampered with the entire combine um we will have brad on and we'll talk a little bit about what the jets can really do uh what what they can't do who's available who's not i would say i'll leave off with the jets first three things they need to do this offseason besides in-house stuff Sign a veteran backup quarterback the first 20 minutes of free agency, whether it's Brissett, Minshew, Tannehill, whoever it is. See if you're legitimately getting Devontae, and if you're not, quickly pivot. Um, and lastly, figure out exactly what you're doing at offensive line. How many guys do you truly think you can get solved in free agency in the draft and, and trades? And take care of it quickly. Like, sorry, if – I've said this a million times. If the Jets suck in 2026, but win a Super Bowl or get the conference title games the next two years, I'll be okay. Um, no stone unturned. Get that stuff straightened out because I don't want to hear about Devontae Adams trade things dragging on into June. Like, I'm good. I- I'm good on Joe Douglas getting mayo dumped on him at a Boomer Esiason thing and talking about Devontae Adams is coming. I don't want to hear it this year. Get it done or don't. Make up your mind. Is that is that a fair end to this? I'm sorry. I sorry. Is that a fair end to the beautiful rant to end it? Beautiful, beautiful rant to end it. And I would just say, and this is being mean, but fans, and it applies to myself as well. If you're going to be like, oh, if we go all in, it's going to cost us 2026. You are not going all in and winning four games a year all the time. So I don't, with all due respect, (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, I agree. Joey D, stop, you know, pussyfooting around. Get some deals done right in March, March 15th. Let's make let's make some shit happen. Yeah, let's let's have that see that Jet Super Wads go to go to fifth. Uh we'll go from there. Appreciate everybody for listening all season. Um now it's our now it's time to shine here in the offseason. Um, no better place to get some Jets content here on, on TOJ and Badlands. Appreciate everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.